It's been almost two decades we've been on this journey to educate, liberate, and help you take action so you may better manage your financial future, achieve peace of mind, and accomplish your life's purpose. This podcast reveals financial tips, strategies, and insights that will help you set your goals and guide you along the way to help you achieve them. This is Managing Your Financial Future, brought to you by the advisors at Lucia Capital Group. I'm your host, Johnny Dean, with our own Rick the Professor Plum, Chief Financial Planning Officer. Well, it is my distinct pleasure, and I mean that sincerely, Janine Stripe, to have you, one of my longtime colleagues, a longtime uh, wealth manager, planner here at Lucia Capital Group, actually on the podcast. Welcome. Well, thank you. I'm happy to be here. I'm I'm really glad. You know, we go back. You mentioned the name of somebody in radio a little when you first walked in. I, and I know. said, My goodness, that was mm-hmm. the early 1990s, and it's this is how long we've we've worked together and stuff that we've done over the years. You're a certified financial planner professional. You've seen a lot. You've been in the industry. You've been in the business. You've been with the company. You've been doing this for a long, long time. You've seen big tax changes. You've seen things like the 86 tax cut. Were you were you doing planning back then in 1986? Uh, actually, I was working in banking in 1986, but okay. we still had an impact. Uh, you still had to know about that. it, and it, mm-hmm. it, it did affect you. Well, recently, we had something else pass, uh, not that long ago. In fact, I think it was the end of 2019, called the SECURE Act. We call it the Setting Every Community Up for Retirement Enhancement yes. Act. Yes, it's an acronym. You know, they like to do that a lot. So SECURE is actually an acronym, and you just spelled it out there. Yeah, now I should mention here, too, that this is different from the CARES Act, which was recently passed for the coronavirus and the whole thing. That is not this. This was passed at the end of last year, the SECURE Act. Now, I, I mentioned this a few times before, but there are a couple of provisions in the SECURE Act, and I know it happened back in, in, in at the end of 2019, Janine, but... This this is something, though, that can uh, kind of reverberate throughout the rest of the tax season. I want to get into a couple of provisions here, if we can, with you, because you know a lot about this stuff. Uh, first of all, something called qualified charitable distributions. Right. We sometimes referred to as QCD. We'll call them those for uh, distributions from an IRA. But one of the things that we've been using that strategy for a, quite a while, for several years, we didn't know till the end of the year if we were going to have that approved and we were scrambling at the end of the year. Very difficult to do charitable planning when you're only scrambling at the end of the year. Now it's part of permanent law and now that we have... Uh, several other changes that have happened in taxes, such as over 90% of people are filing with the standard deduction now, I rather know than it. itemized deductions. With the doubling of the standard deduction, and uh, also that cap of the SALT, if you will, the state and local tax being capped at 10000 aren't a lot of other options, you know, to come up beyond the standard deduction. So more and more people are using that, and that means that this tool that we've had in our toolbox for quite a while is so much more important now because people feel like I'm not getting any benefit from my charitable giving if I take that standard deduction. Which you're not because mm-hmm. it may not get you up over, uh, especially if you people who are, who are eligible to do what's called a QCD. Uh, their standard deduction is, oh, I think, over 26000 isn't it? Well, that's right, because when you're over 65... A married, I'm sorry, married, married couple, couple. Married couple. Married couple. Yeah. And you're over 65, you get that additional uh, amount 
uh, that you get for the standard deduction. So it does get to be up over the 26000 Hard to come up with itemized deductions more than that, uh, unless you're really, really charitable. But this gives another planning concept where with the qualified charitable distribution, you're able to, in effect, give off the top or give from gross dollars instead of net dollars after tax. When you're taking the standard deduction, that's a huge benefit and helps us feel like we're at least still getting a benefit from our charitable giving. Yeah, it's kind of like, in a roundabout way, it's sort of like getting a deduction, even if you don't itemize on your tax return. Right. I mean, the effect is the same. That's exactly right. And so hopefully our motivation is for our charitable intent. There's still a charitable intent, but we're so used to getting a tax deduction. That's what fuels a lot of that (laughs) for so many people. And this is effectively the same. So that means it's given directly to the charity or charities of your choice. And therefore, it isn't reportable on, you know, it isn't taxable on your tax return, even though it is reportable. Yeah. Let's explain that. That's good. Let's explain again how that works, because there are still people who say, I don't know anything about this. And yes. It, and it wouldn't surprise me because it's not publicized. In normal circumstances, we're talking about somebody who is of required minimum distribution age. That's right. And um, Although required minimum distribution age has now changed to 72, let's just say somebody who is at least age 70 and a half. Yes, and that's a good distinction right now because 70 and a half is, uh, the, has been the required minimum distribution. And now for anyone who was born at the right time to where there were not 70 and a half by January 1st of 2020, then they really don't have to do a required minimum distribution until they turn 72. A lot of people are like, oh, I just missed it. Oh, dear. But if you are looking at it uh, from that perspective, if you want to do a qualified charitable distribution, you can still do that at 70 and a half, even if you don't mm-hmm. have to do the required minimum distribution until 72. That did not change. And a lot of people are unclear about that. That part did not change. You can still do it. But the first time you do it, you have to have been turned 70 and a half already. So if your birthday's not till mid-year, you have to wait till you turn 70 and a half and before doing that first uh, qualified charitable distribution. Yeah, which could be the very end of the year. It could uh, be. But, but you can't do it until then. So under normal circumstances, it, let's say I'm 75, so I've already covered everything like this, all right? I have a required minimum distribution from my IRA. Under normal circumstances, I would take my required minimum distribution. Let's say it's $5,000. I'm just making a number up. It's $5,000. I don't need the five grand. i am taking it because I'm required to. So I would take that, and I just, by coincidence want to give $5,000 to my church or whatever charity it is. So I would take the distribution, I would put it in my checking account, then I'd write a check for five grand, let's just say, to the church, and it would seem to be a wash. That's the difference is, though, a problem, though. It can be a problem. Yeah, it can be because that money is going to be taxable. Coming from an IRA, it's taxed a dollar for dollar. So it could be that you took out 5000 but you might have only received $4,000 net because of the $1,000 that was withheld for tax purposes. So a 20% withholding would be you don't, wouldn't get that same 5000 on that basis. So you would be giving maybe out of that 4000 directly to the charity of your choice. So that would be a difference there. With the qualified charitable distribution, that total amount goes directly to the charity. Yes, and 
do I not get credit then? I get credit for a required minimum distribution. Absolutely. It does count toward that required minimum distribution, which is so important because if you don't withdraw enough to satisfy your required minimum distribution, it's a 50% penalty. 50% penalty. 50% of what you mm-hmm. were supposed to, what you missed. That's exactly right, of what you missed. And so that's very important. The part that is interesting is it's that nuance right there to have it count toward your required minimum distribution, which is why when you get that 1099, it looks exactly like it does normally. In other words, it's going to show a normal distribution that will look like it's supposed to be taxable. But when you have it sent directly to the charity, you fill out a form that basically shows that that money went directly to that. And either you, when you do your tax return or your tax preparer, will identify that portion as being non-taxable and when you print out your tax return it actually puts qcd on that line next oh, it has to the it ira there? oh mm-hmm. well that's good to know it, this it is true it out. Mm-hmm. you bring up another excellent point let's if i did a qualified charitable distribution and they sent i never even saw the money they sent it all directly to the to the uh, charity the custodian though said is required to fill out a 1099 form that tells the irs and me that in my example five thousand dollars left the ira And so they don't know about anything. They're just saying $5,000 left. Even if you do a QCD, you've got to still account for it on your taxes for that year. You do. And the 1099 looks exactly the same as it would normally, other than the fact that you have supplemental documentation that shows it went directly to a 501c3 uh, charitable organization qualified to receive your donation directly. So that's important because a lot of times that first year, uh, someone might be saying, I thought I did a charitable contribution and this doesn't look, I think this needs to be fixed. They need to, you need to fix my 1099. Well, that's that's just so that it will qualify yeah. for reducing the required minimum. If we didn't have it come out that way, then it would just be a regular IRA distribution, it wouldn't go toward the required minimum. Uh, I'm talking with Janine Stripe, although you people know because you've been listening to the entire podcast, nobody just skips ahead. Janine Stripe is a uh, certified financial planner professional. To do a qualified charitable distribution, though, Janine, first of all, it helps if you don't need the, the money for the from the required minimum distribution. I would suggest that if you do need the money from the distribution, you're probably taking more out anyway. You can still do it. It doesn't have to be connected to your RMD. It just happens to count toward it, correct? Well, the place we usually start is we say, don't change what you're giving, but let's just do your giving differently. Let's just try to be smarter about how we give uh, to our charities of choice. So you look at what are we already doing and what giving are we doing out of our net dollars. How about we think about doing that from our gross dollars? And the earlier in the year you start thinking about it, the better. Because if we wait till the end of the year, you've probably already done your regular giving anyway. So you want to be thinking about it near the beginning of the year. All the charitable organizations are happy to receive your donations once a year instead of the monthly or weekly or whatever you've uh, been doing and they're very happy about that and then that is something you can plan for and say okay stop doing the regular giving that you were doing before on a more frequent basis in preparation for that one gift a year to one or more charities that can be any any number you can have up to you know unlimited amount as long as it doesn't exceed the amount that you were wanting to give but yeah, uh, and and you have to be charitably inclined, as we like to say in the business. Right. You shouldn't do this. If you weren't going to give money to a charity, 
it's not really going to help you because, I mean, to save taxes by giving money to charity, charity loves it, but you're really not saving taxes. That's really what we talk about with doing your giving differently. You know, just think about it differently. Think about it ahead and being able to give off the top rather than from the net. Yeah, so so to sum that up, you, you, you have a couple, uh, let's say a married couple, and they have required minimum distributions out of their IRA. They don't need the money, but they do it because they're told to. And so they just claim the money on their tax return like everybody does for their required minimum distribution. In the meantime, this couple every single week writes a you know $50 check to the church and sticks it in the basket every week mm-hmm. right out of their checking account. Fine. Yet, there's a chance that that couple who's writing that $50 check every week, and how much is that, 2500 a year roughly, it may be that they don't get a tax deduction for it because of this standard deduction being so high. Can you explain just very quickly how doing the qualified charitable distribution kind of gives you that deduction in a sort of de facto way? Well, that's where you really see the power of it is when you think about doing your giving differently, taking the giving that you're already doing out of the net amount that you receive each month and say, oh, let's go ahead and give it from the gross. So you're actually having those uh, dollars go directly to the charity, but it doesn't end up taxable on your tax return. It's reportable, but it's non-taxable. And so that's golden because then you still get that benefit, reduced taxable income on your tax return because you have to do the required minimum distribution anyway. So if you didn't do repurpose your giving in this way, then you'd have more income and then you'd have more tax. The less income you can keep off your tax return, in my opinion, the better. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we get questions on what information is needed, and really all you really need to have is the name and address of the charity that you'd like to have it go to, the amount, and that's filled out in a form, and you submit that with your to your tax preparer, or you do it yourself uh, if you're one of the, those uh, individuals that likes to do it on your own. Oh, yeah. uh, but it's not that difficult. Like I said, it can be. We usually like to say once per year because you know be very time consuming because every distribution has to have its own form. Yeah. So that's just kind of the paperwork that goes along with that. But. Once people get started, I'll, I'll notice I'll try a couple the first year, and then the next year they're like, well, we actually have several other charities. Let's try it again for that one the, the following year. And it's just a matter of getting it down into that routine. Uh, can, can you think of anybody who should – is there any reason somebody should not do this who uh, is charitably inclined anyway and doesn't need the required minimum distribution funds? Is there any – Can you? Th- I can't think of any reason not to do it. You can't be any worse off by no, it. No, it's, it's like I said, especially if you're doing the giving already. You know, if you're trying to talk yourself into this as a kind of a a tax uh, scheme, so to speak, it's not. It's just a way of uh, being smarter with the way you're doing your giving, especially if you're subject to required minimum distributions. Sure. QCD is the, it's not an acronym, but it's an abbreviation, Qualified Charitable Distributions. Uh, One last thing here. We were talking about the SECURE Act. Uh, uh, There there was one other, uh, well, a couple other things that changed. Uh, Talk for a moment about the contribution age limits. You know, before if you're, if you're working beyond age seventy and a half, you can mm-hmm. still continue to make contributions. 
funds uh, to an IRA or retirement plan, which is a little bit different before. I, you know, I did want to interject that there we do talk about required minimum distribution, but the QCD um, that uh, prior topic could be up to a hundred thousand yes. dollars per year, and so there is a maximum amount. But uh, for yeah. most people, that's not a problem. Well, <laughs> if you have an RMD of one hundred fifty thousand a year, you're doing pretty well. Right. You're probably okay. Go ahead and give the money and don't worry about the qualified. Give a hundred thousand out of well, it. Well, it doesn't give more have if you want. It, it, it doesn't you have could, to be through. You can do qualified charitable distribution above and beyond the required minimum distribution. Oh, so that's absolutely. What I mean. So yeah. sometimes people say, "Okay, I really don't need this money to you know uh, to be paying uh, for their very charitably inclined from other dollars." So can can go higher than the required minimum up to a maximum of a hundred thousand. So now anybody can uh, contribute, assuming they're under the income limits and all that. Those still apply. Yes. But anybody uh, they could be ninety five and still working, whatever they're doing, they can still contribute to a traditional IRA subject to the income limit. So that's something that has changed. Yes. Prior to that, you you couldn't do it uh, after age 70 and a half. Mm -hmm. And then one other thing, which was sort of big, we don't have a lot of time, but inherited IRAs, um, it, it, it used to be that if I inherit an IRA when I was, if, if I were 30 years old, I would have a required minimum distribution, but I used to be able to stretch it out to my my life expectancy, which you know could be another 40, 45 years. We can't stretch it quite as far as we used to be able to, if especially if it's a non-spouse. Of course, if you're Spou- the spouse, yes, non-spouse. you can still stretch it over, you know, inherit it like it was your own. None so of you that still, changed. None yes. of that changed at all. This is just for like your children or non-spouse beneficiaries. And there are still quite a few exceptions. Under age, under 18, there's exceptions for you know being able to spread it out a little bit longer. Several different mm-hmm. exceptions may apply. But the biggest thing is it's mostly under over a five-year period. But for the most part, you're going to have to get all of that yeah. out over that five. Was there a 10-year uh, stretch as well? Yes. Well, it, you know, like I said, it depends on what the individual circumstances are of that. But we could probably have another program just talking about all the exceptions. Well, we probably could. Yeah, yeah, we don't need to. But just know that if you inherit an IRA and you're not the spouse, you're going to have some. You're going to have to get them out. You know, we've said on this program before that usually people who inherit IRAs they wind up taking that money out anyway. Yeah. Well before. <laughs> the five years some people right away unfortunately a lot of people inherit when they're at their peak earning years and so that's where the stretch problem. ira could be a problem because you know yeah. if before you could spread it out much longer it's shorter now so it takes a little bit more planning all the more reasons for your parents to have used that money for their qualified charitable distributions rather than leave it to you <laughs> exactly uh and, and, and an inherited ira normal required minimum distributions are set up for somebody who's over age 72 now uh their, their IRA can never be depleted by the RMD. In an inherited IRA situation, it's designed to be depleted at some point in the future. They just don't want those tax benefits going on from generation to generation. Well, that was the whole point of setting mm-hmm. it up. We don't want mm-hmm. aristocracies, mm-hmm. although I think in many ways we have a lot of that now. Janine Stripe, I'm out of, I got other stuff, but we're out of time. I know you're busy. you got to get back to work. But I thank you for doing this. If people want to talk with you, they want to get in touch with you to talk about things like this, although you do planning, you cover the whole thing. But if they have more questions on this, how, how can they get in touch with you we're here every day and so they can call me call us here at the office uh through our 800 number 800-644-1150 they can call the 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 straight number and they can ask for you or that's right one of your assistants you're busy but you know what you've always got time we're always available for a call that's right tax planning tax management social security and strategy a lot of that's just you know what do we do now exactly Mm -hmm. janine stripe thanks again okay thank you we'll talk to you again soon johnny dean and the entire gang 
Lang here at Lucia Capital Group, managing your financial future, the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you again next week. The information provided should not be considered specific tax, legal, or investment advice and is not specific to any individual's personal circumstances. To the extent that this material concerns tax matters, it is not intended or written to be used and cannot be used by a taxpayer for the purpose of avoiding penalties that may be imposed by law. Each taxpayer should seek independent advice from a tax professional based on his or her individual circumstances. This material was gathered from sources believed to be reliable. However, its accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Different types of investments and or investment strategies involve varying levels of risk and there can be no assurance that any specific investment or investment strategy, including the investments purchased and or investment strategies devised by Lucia Capital Group, will be either suitable or profitable for a client's or prospective client's portfolio. Thus, investments may result in a loss of principal. Accordingly, no client or prospective client should assume that the presentation or any component thereof serves as the receipt of or a substitute for personalized advice from Lucia Capital Group or from any other investment professional. You should always seek counsel of the appropriate advisor prior to making any investment decision. All investments are subject to risk, including the loss of principal. This material was gathered from sources believed to be reliable. However, its accuracy cannot be guaranteed. These materials are provided for general information and educational purposes based upon publicly available information from sources believed to be reliable. We cannot assure the accuracy or completeness of these materials. The information in these materials may change at any time and without notice. IRA withdrawals will be taxed at ordinary income rates. Withdrawals prior to age 59 and a half may also be subject to a 10% penalty tax. Examples cited are hypothetical, are for illustrative purposes only, are not guaranteed, and subject to potential federal and state law amendments. There is no guarantee that you will achieve the results discussed or illustrated. The information provided is based on current laws, which are subject to change at any time. Lucia Capital Group is not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any government agency. Social Security rules can be complex. For more information about Social Security benefits, visit the SSA website at ssa.gov or call 800-772-1213 to speak with an SSA representative. The investment professionals are registered representatives with and securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and member FINRA SIPC. Lucia Securities LLC was acquired by LPL Financial August 2020. The investment professionals of Lucia Securities LLC are now affiliated with LPL Financial and are conducting business using the name Lucia Capital.